0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, October 10th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Royals are looking for a new manager. Last week, Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Eldred were fired, and the search for replacements is on. Today's Sports Beat KC looks at the process and discusses candidates with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. Also, You'll hear part of the press conference conducted by Royals Vice President for Baseball Operations and General Manager J.J. Piccolo. Okay, let's get started. We're here with Vi Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Lynn Worthy talking Royals. And guys, we got the timing all screwed up last week. The last time we talked Royals was Tuesday afternoon. And, of course, we spent that time discussing Mike Matheny's future. And 36 hours later, we knew his future. Um, And he is now no longer manager of the Royals, and Cal Eldred no longer the pitching coach. Uh, The move was made on Wednesday after the last regular season game. And I guess I should ask Lynn first. um, We all had a sense of it, right? But were you, uh, what was your reaction to the news that actually came down around nine o'clock, I guess, on Wednesday evening?
1: Yeah, my was that um I did not expect the um the Wednesday night news dump I, <laughs> it was like 9 45 or something like that and I I figured that we'd probably hear something before the weekend probably hear something before Friday but um I was surprised at how quick it came um but I wasn't surprised that um that they made the move that they did um with Matheny and then Eldred I mean I wouldn't have been Totally shocked if they decided to um make the move with Eldred and still kept Matheny. Um but
0: um I wasn't surprised that they did, but they did either. Sam, how about you? Um I I, I think I felt or you felt like me, or I felt like you about this. That I, I kind of thought something was going to happen. You the it, it to me, the 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 origin of this came three weeks earlier when uh, JJ Piccolo became the the new VP of Baseball Ops and General Manager, replacing Dayton Moore. But what what did you uh, what was your reaction?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the writing on the wall was there for Mike Matheny, like you mentioned, when you know there was a there was a change that the guy that was Mike Matheny's biggest backer in Dayton Moore, and you know that's not to say that. JJ and, and Dayton had these long arguments about Mike Matheny being their manager, but you know, when you are taking over a quote unquote new regime, and I I put that in quotes only because JJ's obviously been part of the old regime as well. Um, but you know, I mean, you do that for a fresh start. And you don't get that fresh start if you retain the manager and the entire coaching staff. You
0: know, Vahé, the um the the last two Royals managers were hired uh, as they were hired in the same way. Ned Yost was already hired on the uh, part to be part of the front office staff when uh, he replaced Trey Hillman, and um, and then Mike Matheny, of course, was part of the Royals front office to was hired. And in both both cases, they seem like managers in waiting and we'll after we hear a little bit later from JJ Bacola we'll talk about the process of the next you know, selecting the next royals manager but um you know it seemed like those two the the last two royals managers were guys that that Dayton Moore had in mind before he made the decision to to fire the the sitting manager and um i, I just wanted to put that out there uh, but, but so what was your you know, what was your initial thought? I think you maybe been a little more surprised than us that that it happened. You know, as it did.
3: Yeah, I th- I think so. But I but I think that was kind of illogical for me not to not to have seen it more clearly because Lynn had a conversation with Mike Matheny on the phone, and and I, I did later that morning, and I I don't remember in quite what order this was said, but Mike said, "Uh, as soon as Dayton was Dayton was fired, he knew he was basically done." Um, not just because Dayton was his advocate and brought him in, but because the tenor of everything John Sherman was saying, the whole takeaway was change, change, change. And I think you could say, you know, JJ is perceives himself and as I think intended to be a, a, a change agent or whatever that term is, um, which circles back to the point, I think you were starting to make too, Blair, that I, I'd be really stunned if, uh, if this comes from within the Royals, the next manager, I mean, just to to quickly enunciate that there were only two internal candidates um, and to to immediately emphatically say that there's going to be uh, they're still sending out the net. Right. That they're just they're just starting. This was not the culmination of a process. This was the, the commencement of one. I, I take them at their word when they say they're extending it out out all over. They want to get antenna up everywhere and then start reeling it in. I I could be wrong, but I think this will be some weeks till till this happens. And I, I'd i be, I'd sort of be surprised if it's anybody that we're, we're putting our finger on from the outside looking in at the start. I, I don't think this mechanism is going to work that way. But again, I could be wrong on that.
0: Okay. Those are our first pitches. Let's do this. Let's hear from J.J. Piccolo, the Royals Vice President for Baseball Operations and General Manager. He spoke to the media on Thursday. This all happened so quickly, right? The the, the firing uh, announced Wednesday night, and J.J. Piccolo met the media on Thursday. Here is the first, I don't know, eight, nine minutes of J.J. Piccolo's more than 30-minute interview with with media members. Uh, We'll be back after you hear from J.J. Piccolo.
4: First of all, I just want to say thank you for being here. We appreciate the support, the interest in our club. Uh, obviously, uh, we made the announcement last night uh, that we were moving on from Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred. Um, they decisions we never take lightly. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of thought. Um, there's a lot of questions that are being asked. Uh, there's Evaluations that need to take place on where we are as a team, <coughs> where we are as a team overall, and then also where we are uh, with individual players and their progress in their major league career. You know, based on those evaluations, we thought the time was right uh, to make that change. As difficult as it was, uh, we respect those two men immensely. You know, Mike is a tremendous competitor. Uh, his preparation is outstanding. I do think the last three years have been challenging for a lot of reasons, you know, which matches the time that Mike was hired. You know, you got COVID in 2020, a lot of logistical things going on in 21, 22. We have the lockout, and when you add all that up, in addition to I believe it was 29 uh, players who transitioned from the minor leagues to the major leagues, that's a big job. That's a tough job, and I, I want to acknowledge. Uh, The appreciation we have for him and how he handled it all. Never complained about a a thing. Um, Came to the ballpark every day to win the game, uh, which is really important. And I think that was one of the greatest qualities that Mike has. Um, And we want to wish him well with what he does in the future. A lot of the same can be said for Cal Eldred. Uh, Cal was determined. Uh, to help players get better, in particular pitchers. Uh, Always had a smile on his face, there's a determination that he had, asked a lot of questions himself, Um, and he had a deep care uh, for these players. Uh, And he knew what he was up against. I mean coming into this year it wasn't easy. I mean to start the year we had I believe three out of five of our starters uh, were not very experienced. Um, And then as the season went on a majority of the time it was four out of our five starters and you know there 's a lot that goes into that, and uh, we appreciate the way Cal handled everything. Uh, both of those guys are friends of ours they 'll continue to be friends of ours and we want to wish them the best of luck in the future. With all that said, I think you know from a front office perspective, this is an exciting time I mean this is when you make a decision like this we 're looking forward to the future we 're looking forward to what 's next we 're looking forward to who can we put around our players to make our players better, to lead this organization in a way that's innovative, that's exciting, uh, that meets the needs of players, uh, meets the needs of our front office. And there's a lot of good people out there and we're just looking forward to diving into it. So with that said, I'll take any questions. JJ,
0: okay.
3: you talked about the evaluations that you went through um, these last couple of weeks as, as you've uh, transitioned into the, the lead of baseball else, what did those evaluations look like and when did
4: When was the decision made to move on? So Mike and I had a lot of great discussions um, the last two weeks. Um, Mike understood uh, where we were. Um, You know, I don't want to speak for Mike, but it was very very good. It was very open. It was very comforting to know that you had a, a person in place that understood what the game was about and you know we we didn't meet you know i'm going to try to avoid the word expectations you know as much as i can but we did have some expectations um so when you look at our record at the end of the season you know something uh went wrong you know we, we should have won more games than we did uh there are a lot of factors that go into that it's not just mike himself uh there's you know myself our front office um, you know, we're all accountable for that, but we expect it to be a little bit further along than we were, um, and we can't, you know, avoid that. That's the case.
3: As you uh, look forward now into hiring a manager, what, what are the qualities that you're looking for in that person?
4: Well, it's we're we're working on. I'll call it criteria. We're working on the criteria right now, but we certainly need somebody that's collaborative in nature. Uh, recognizes all the departments that we have in place. Over the last five years, there's been a lot of efforts uh, to expand who we are and what we're about, Uh, whether that be performance science or research and development department uh, that has been in place, but it continues to grow. Um, Behavioral science is a big part of what we do. Um, so those efforts that have been made over the last five years, this new manager is going to have to recognize that, appreciate it, and figure out a way to put it all into play. How do we put all, pull it all together? Uh, and that's that's why it's going to take some time to find the right person. If you look
3: at the criteria, what, what are the cases that you would make for already in the organization versus already? You know, new, new fresh voices out of the organization. I mean, do you have to think that through
4: in your matrix of stuff? Yeah, I, I think there's there's some organizations that clearly are driven um, by multiple departments, like I'm speaking of. But what we have to be careful of is we don't overlook others. Um, there, there are people in every organization in baseball that are very talented. So we're going to cast a wide net. Uh, and narrow it down. And as we build out what we think are the most important uh, ingredients to being a manager for the Kansas City Royals, um, I couldn't tell you which organization it's going to come from. You know, that's, that's kind of why this is uh, in some ways exciting right now. JJ, they, you know, you guys want to hire a manager. They have to want to come here too. What is, what, what's your selling point about this organization in the future? We've got a good core here. Um, We have have work to do on our roster, but we've got a good core. If you look at our our rotation, they do have a little bit of experience now. Now, how that all shakes out in the long run, I would think that there's a manager out there and a pitching coach out there that are excited when they see what our – our staff looks like and then of course offensively our lineup is very young I think we started seven guys again yesterday that were rookies I mean so you know we don't know where all their careers are going but there's a core there that's pretty good and I would think will be very attractive uh, to a lot of people. So what what's the current status I mean obviously you guys made this announcement with the pitching coach and manager the current staff the rest of them what's the current status right now? Yeah um, so the there a lot of the Let me start with the people that will definitely stay in place Um, will be our hitting department. uh, Alex Zumwalt, Keone Duran, Mike Tozar, and Damon Hollins will remain as our first base coach. Uh, Pedro Graffaut is a candidate for this job. Vance Wilson is a candidate for this job. Uh, So we'll see where that goes. And the way this is going to play out, the priority is to hire a manager first. The manager will have some influence and say in who the pitching coach is. And as you get those pieces in place, it'll determine the remainder of our staff. So that's that's the order of events for us. And
1: as you've talked about, you know, obviously, you don't want to overlook other organizations and where you might find somebody. What sort of I guess, value, if any, do you place on just the familiarity with so many young guys who just transitioned to the major leagues and there being some in house people who have that there? It's a benefit.
4: Um, quite honestly, it's a benefit I'm enjoying right now, or I'm the beneficiary of, because I, I know organization well. Um, so there's there's reason to look at that and consider that um, our players have a great deal of respect, really, for every one of our coaches. Um, so I think they'd be excited if it ends up being one of our own guys. The transition may be a little bit quicker, um, but we're going at least we're going we're going to go through a thorough process. We're not going to jump into this and say this is our target. We don't have a main target. And I shared that uh, with Pedro and Vance, uh, which they appreciate. We're going to go through this process, and at the end of the day, we're going to make the best decision that we can make.
0: Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Okay, we're back on Sportsbeat KC, talking Royals and the manager situation with Linworthy, Sam McDowell, and Vihe Gregorio. You just heard from J.J. Piccolo. I thought there were some uh, interesting insights there. Um, he said, uh, "In one way, it's kind of exciting, and it is right. I mean, it's you're you're starting uh, over at manager, and um, you know, the first part of that, of course, was explanation why it happened. You know, one the new team should have won more games than it did, of course, and uh, expected to be further along than than they were, and where the Royals were, were last place in the AL Central." Only uh, a record only better than the Oakland A's in the American League this year, so it absolutely was a disappointing season for the Royals. But um, let's start with the two names that he mentioned. I know Vahe, you just you just said you'd be surprised before we heard from JJ that if, if they went internal, but he identified Pedro Grafal and, and Vance Wilson as candidates that are on on the staff now. Also said he were keeping some of the some of the coaches, but um, but you said. How about how about um, just amplifying that a little bit? Why why would you be surprised if if it came from either Pedro Grafal or, or Vance Wilson?
3: Really, just because I don't think they fit the model of what I th- what I believe the job description to be in some ways, and that that that's a little ambiguous. I realize, but I just think that the the profile I feel like I'm getting in my mind is somebody late thirties, early forties. Com, sort of new wave in a lot of ways and uh also i think at least symbolically wanting some change some element of change just those things you know make my spider sense feel like that's that's not what these two guys would represent and and i would i'd love to hear sam and or lynn dispute that or you know challenge that point because i i might really just have a warped view of it yeah i think well, it's an opportunity go ahead lynn
1: No, I was going to say, um, you know, as far as the first part, the first thing is is the reason that I think he specifically mentioned those two is they were both candidates the last time around when Matheny was hired and they've both been candidates in other jobs. Um, Now, one of the names that has been rumored, um, the bench coach from Tampa Bay, uh, I'm going to mess up the last name, Quatero, and the more I look, and I don't know in depth his background, but the more I look at his background, it seems to me really similar to Pedro Grafal, um, except for the fact that the organizations that, like unless you're just latching on to the fact that he's, you know, worked in um, the Indians and Tampa Bay, uh, excuse me, the Guardians and Tampa Bay's organizations. Um, I mean, the, the the things that people talk about him is he's a communicator. He worked play development. He worked on the hitting side. Um, I mean, Pedro hey, Rafal you know, was a um, was a scout, was a minor league manager, worked as a player development head, field coordinator, then came over to the Royals and worked as minorly le- in the minor leagues, and then um, as a hitting coach, quality control coach, bench coach. Quintero worked in other organizations, had a lot of the similar types of things. He was also a former catcher, just like Pedro, with his highest as AAA, just like Pedro. Um, he's talked about being a communicator, just like Pedro. Um, so I'm not sure. And, and they were actually up for some of the same jobs in the past. Um, you know, Pedro was uh, one of the last three or four guys that was in the running for the, the San Francisco Giants job. Um, and you think of the Giants, or at least the, the way that people look at them, is that they're this, you know, analytically forward-thinking organization because Farhan Zahidi, who came from Oakland, is the one who's in charge of things there and the way they do things with their their analytics, the, the staff, the big major league staff with all these different coaches looking at every angle. Um, he was one of the last guys that uh, was still in the running for that job when they hired Gabe Kapler. And I talked to Farhan the winter meetings right after that, and he, w- he was glowing about Pedro and actually said, I hope that he does get a chance – to become a manager in the near future. And obviously there was the, um, he already had a previous connection with Gabe Kapler. So I, I, as far as the the profile, I don't think that there's a big difference between Pedro and at least, you know, a guy like Quatero, who's been named has been floated out there as maybe the top guy um, other than the organizations. But in the same light, you look at Pedro and say, well, he's got familiarity with this organization, with these players. Um, he's had success working with guys one-on-one bilingual. So I, and as far as Vance, obviously Vance um, has worked in different aspects of, you know, baseball in terms of like, I mean, he's he's had that third base coach job. He worked with the pitching staff because he was the bullpen coordinator, minor league manager, um, and he's worked, you know, throughout the organization. Uh, and obviously, he was a former big leader. So I think there's, there, I, don't, I don't think we should overlook some of their things just because, you know, obviously people will look at all the guys from the outside and say, oh, this guy can bring this. This guy can bring that. We, we still need to. Consider what the guys inside bring.
0: You know, the other thing they have in common is uh, they both uh, worked for teams that we're talking about Quatero and Pedro Gafal, that John Sherman oversaw, and so right, um, Sherman with the Indians when he was a part owner, and um, and now of course uh, the owner of the Royals. Um, so, Sam, what, whoever gets the job, what what are they getting? What, what, what kind of team are they going to get when when they take over and uh, and what? Um, why should there be optimism about a new regime in Kansas City?
2: Well, I think it's a pretty good job, um, and for a couple of reasons. Um, but mainly, and this actually applies to the pitching coach as well, the Royals, you mentioned it, finished last in the division, the second-worst record in the American League. It's hard. It'll be hard for the Royals not to improve at least slightly on 97 losses next year. Who's going to get credit for that? The changeover is going to get credit for that. It'll be hard not to improve on a historically bad pitching staff next year. In terms of walk rate, strikeout rate, ERA, hits allowed, um, who's going to get credit for that? The people that are new, the the pitch, because the players are going to, I, I think, largely remain the same. Now they could add, um, but I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, super significant. I don't think we're looking at like an off-season James Shields-like trade to where we're going to be saying, okay, well, yeah, but this. <laughs> Manager, this pitching coach was aided by all these new guys that the last last regime didn't have. Um, so I think that's that's number one is that there's there's room for improvement. But number two is you're working with a really young group, and you know I I just think that would be attractive for somebody coming in who wants to be um, one more of a teacher, and all, also two the Royals are targeting, according to JJ Piccolo in that that clip that we played. I mean they're, they're targeting. Guys who are going to be invested in, in connecting their departments, and when JJ Piccolo says that, he means the analytics, the research, you know, implementing all the stuff that they feel like they're already doing. But John Sherman specifically said it at Dayton Moore's press conference that they want more of that implemented into their decision making. Well, I think that the younger generation is going to be more receptive to receiving that kind of information, and that's the group that the Royals have. You know, they've got a lot of players that are around this you know, 25-year-old range that I think is going to be eager to receive some of that information and, and wonder how to apply it. And I think the best example of that is, you know, when Drew Waters came over to the organization. He basically said, I know I'm not hitting how I want to hit, and I am all ears to what you guys have for me. You guys acquired me for a reason. What do you got for me? And Drew Waters had a fantastic finish to the season after the Royals acquired him, both in the minors and the major leagues. And I think you're going to have a clubhouse of guys that are eager for information like that. And here's an opportunity to be the guy that's delivering it to them. In some cases, perhaps delivering some new information to them for the first time.
0: Um, Should we add Alex Zumwalt to the list of potential candidates, in-house candidates? Even though um, JJ didn't identify him, he identified only Pedro and and, uh, and, uh, Vance. But, no,
2: I asked him if um, those were the only two internal candidates in the entire organization. And he said yes. Um, so he specifically said the hitting coaches will will remain in place, as are.
3: What's okay. interesting about Alec, oh, just real quick, Blair, and, and Sam and I, and, and I think Lynn and I, or the three of us have kicked this around a little bit, is uh, Sam articulated this better than I will, but he has a a certain reach across the organization right now that that. I don't think they want to lose. And then I guess the other thing is, though, I would think if Alec was interested in the job, they would certainly have mentioned him. So one way or another, it doesn't seem that that he has come to a place where he's decided that's what he wants to do. But again, I I'd love to hear what you guys say about that.
1: Yeah, I don't. um, I mean, the fact that, like Sam said, that um, JJ specifically said that those were the only two internal and that they're keeping the hitting department in place as far as at the major league level um, means that they're, you know, he's going to stay doing what he's doing. Um, And even uh, going back to when they made that change, I mean, I think it was JJ who was pretty um, adamant at the fact that like, you know, that was, that was never the idea was for him to even be a major league hitting coach. That was not, they didn't put him in that position thinking that he would eventually elevate to that, you know, when he was, became the um, director of hitting performance. Um, So I think they want him. And I think that, especially with some of those young guys, whether that's the Drew Waters or the, uh, MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr. A lot of those guys, even Nikki Lopez, who Zoomy is one of those people. We go back to last year when they sent Nikki down and, um, he came right back up cause Monty got hurt. Um, you know, one of the people who he talked with to sort of get himself back on track, he was sat in a room with JJ and Zoomy uh, to sort of like get himself, you know, um, back, uh, in line. But, um, I think so. I think they they believe that those guys want Zumi in the dugout, but I don't think there's any move to try and push him into that manager's role.
0: Well, they need a pitching Zumi, don't they? Um, a uh, someone to uh, to come in and be the catalyst for change on on that side of uh, of baseball. That. To me, that's the, and am am I wrong about this? The biggest challenge facing the new manager is to get this pitching staff in order. And Sam, I know you mentioned that you don't necessarily see a James Shield type trade in the, in the off season. I don't know about that. I I, I don't. We were, we we discussed this last week, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember now. But um, it's hard to come up with a rotation for next season based on the way. You know, this year in the second half, especially unfolded. Once you get past, and that's assuming they they sign Grinky. Once you get past Singer and Grinky, and maybe Brad Keller goes back to the rotation, but um, I, I just that to me is job one of this. It's you, know, you just assume the new hire is going to be, you know, create a culture that's, um you know, that players will, um, you know, will connect with. But just from a from a practical standpoint, they got to get pitching fixed.
3: Yeah, I mean,
2: um, I think one of the more surprising things from JJ Picola's press conference is, you know, that, that Paul Gibson and that group is is all going to stay in their current roles, and he did say they're going to supplement people alongside those guys. Um, but his reasoning is pretty sound on that, which because I know that caught a lot of, of people's attention, and he said. Look, Paul Gibson's job is to get these guys to the major leagues. And the Royals have not really had kinks in getting these guys to the major leagues. It's once they arrive that they're not able to replicate. And, I mean, heck, I wrote about this, like, thinking think in May, that these guys dominate in <clears throat> Omaha in the minor leagues. They even dominate as soon as they come up in the major leagues, and then they're just not able to sustain it. There's just a lack of consistent performance. You know, Brady Singer is on. Un- fortunately the only exception really to that rule among you know that draft class and um so you know you could point to okay well they switched over the major league coaches but i just i do think that there's got to be more processes changed and you know i mean we could get really into the weeds on that but um i think there's going to be some pretty high level people hired um during this offseason that that supplements what the royals are doing in the minor leagues to try and make sure that they're not just pitching for success in the minor leagues. They're pitching, you know, for ways that set them up for success in the major leagues.
1: Well, and to to piggyback on that, Sam, um and also a clarification. So Paul Gibson is the senior director of pitcher, is the pitching is going to be in place, but um sort of the 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 Drew Saylor to Alex Zumalt's, um, you know, Drew Saylor is the hitting coordinator under Alex Zumalt, the person under Gibby is going to be a new person because Jason Simon Tachi we know is out. So there's going to be at least one new person there. And they've talked about whether that's an analytics person or somebody along those lines working on pitch design type stuff may potentially adding something along those lines. Now, I wouldn't be surprised once they get the manager jobs uh, job straightened out and then they're going to go to the pitching coach. If there's going to be other major league staff. Almost again, like the hitting department, where right now you're looking at Zumi, Mike Tozar, Keone Duran, all on the hitting side. And and you could throw at least this past year, you would throw uh, John Mabry in there. We're not sure if he's going to be back or not, but more coaches along that line and more similar dynamic on the um, major league staff on the pitching side, too. So I think there will be changes. And while Gibson will be staying in place um, JJ said that. I think there's definitely gonna be changes in the major league side on that staff and also at the top under Gibson on the play development side.
3: Just to go back to something you said too, Blair, and and look, I don't know if they'll do this or not, whether it's a trade or a, a signing, but I feel like it's incumbent on on them to make a significant pitching acquisition or two. Um however they do it. You know, whether it means they identify that's a place to spend some money, I don't know. But they've, they've got to – I feel like right now they're only guessing if they think this group's going to be giving them a better chance next year than it's given them this year.
2: I, I think if you make that kind of move, you're like signaling that you think this is the year. And I don't know what we saw from this team in 2022 that makes me think that like 2023 is the year for the Royals to compete. That it's the year to sacrifice maybe a prospect. I mean, they they sacrificed huge prospects to get James Shields, for example. I mean, they gave up Will Myers, still in the major leagues. Jake Odorizzi, still in the major leagues. Um, Montgomery was part of that trade, right? Right, Mm -hmm. Len? Um, uh, Closed out a World Series for another team. Um, So I just don't think that the Royals are at that place to where if they make that kind of deal, all of a sudden we're talking about them winning you know, I think that year after they made that trade, they, they won over 80, 82 games, right? It was like 86 maybe or something like that. I don't see the Royals being one move away from winning 86 games. I think maybe in two years they could be in that place, and, and certainly they need to fill out the rotation. But to me, if, if I'm the general manager of the Royals, like most of my moves are targeting, hey, this young group just got their first season. A lot of the guys half of a season or less. When you talk about, um, you know, Vinny Pascantino, uh, Eaton, Massey, um, Drew Waters—those guys are just half a season into their major league careers, and so I still think this team is a year and a half away from actually being able to ready ready to compete. And my moves in this off season would would reflect that timeline.
3: I don't disagree with that point, which is why I think maybe they need to spend money instead of uh, prospects in some way. But I, the thing I I I feel sort of concerned about for them is you've got this vibrant group of uh you guys that are going to be your your core unit on the field for the next couple 3 years right and if they come out of the blocks again with they get one good start every every week i i just that effect, i i just think they need something to prime the pump or jump start that season they i tell you what they they can ill afford a, a, an april and may that says yeah they're out of it again and so I, I think in a way this is another this will be another interesting checkpoint on how John Sherman's going to do things um whether there's there's you know more money to be spent now even as he's come through a couple uh <laughs> at least attendance since 1975 and a covid year and all that I and mean, that's a, that's a lot to ask on the other hand um he's he's taken a jump here from being being patient as he put it to uh the sense of urgency now so I, anyway we'll see it's a really it's the question of the offseason i think sam the way you express it really i think makes the other point really well well i'm
1: not sure that i think that there will i don't think that you're looking at a, a big prospect type trade um you know a la james shields and i don't know that that's what you would look for this offseason I think it's probably more likely to to spend, but I don't think you're talking about spending big money, by right? Because I don't, I just don't see them doing that. I think it's more along the lines of the the Zach Greinke thing, where it's like, okay, a guy that you can just count on to give you innings and be uh, some sort of stability, as opposed to the the, the young guys that are just, just so much variance and up and down. And because um, even with Greinke, I mean, like you know, you know, you can count on him, their stability, but he he did not make it through the full season he pitched most of the season and then he had those upset those those moments where you know he had he ran into trouble just you know because he's a 38 year old pitcher and had the, the forearm issues and things like that so you, even with those guys you know you're going to have to sort of um be able to fill in for those guys some too but if you're filling in for those guys with the coming from that group of you know Heasley and marsh and whoever else that's one thing but if that's the group that you're counting on, and then you're trying to fill in for that group when they have hiccups with more of those guys. That's a whole different story. Whereas I think if they can find somebody, the question is going to be, what can they find out there that's going to be more consistent, give you something more stable um, than the the young guys, and also it's not going to be big cost because I don't think they're you know. And JJ had the comment in that press conference where somebody asked about that, and he said he gave the old. Um, I think it was it's really almost like a line that we remember Dayton saying back in the the glass days about when when it's time they'll be willing to spend.
3: Yeah, just to clarify too, I'm not thinking I'm not trying to suggest something blockbustery, right? I'm just thinking something something substantial enough that says okay, we're going to be stable. We we see this this move or two as stabilizing and giving us a chance
0: Okay, Vahe got the final word in, uh, as he always Boom. seems to do. Yep, yep. All right, great conversation, guys, with Linworthy, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian. Follow the coverage of the Royals and the managerial search in the print editions of the Kansas City Star online at kansascity.com. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sports Beat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, Tip of the Captain Lindworthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 48 pages today, full of baseball playoff coverage, the NFL, college football, the weekend in auto racing, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansas Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.